Oh, they're playing our music. I guess that means we're ready to rock and roll. There you go. It's a Friday. I didn't see the we're on the air sign pop up. What the hell's going on here? We're off to a flying start. You're, episode. You're, you're you're like me on Zoom, Jody. Sometimes I get called on first, and you're not ready. You got to right. fumble with the unmute button. You got to you, you know you're not paying attention. Bang! It happens. I, I thought I was paying attention. Maybe I no. wasn't. Uh, despite that, we will give you two hours of great Eagle talk <laughs> here on Birds Three Sixty Five, episode number thirty-five. Woo! Keep Seven weeks that I haven't uh, decided this is a waste of of time. Uh, we will do so for you for the next two hours. And as of at least right now, we'll be back, back here on Monday as well. Uh, I don't think you should do that, Jody. You might be sending a subliminal message to the wrong people. You know what I'm saying? Uh, no, I think that it's well-placed and it just right. keeps us right. front of mind and like, oh, shoot. Yeah, we could move. No, they're not moving on. We're not going anywhere. We're going to be here all right. the way through the season. And who knows, maybe for the next 25 years. Uh, we got a guest. We got two guests coming up today that have been around the National Football League for that type of time. They've been doing it a long time and should give us some really good insight. One on the very Eagles front and one on the National Football League front. We give you the details on that coming up in just a couple. Mr. McMullen, good to have you in front of your computer today. <laughs> Seeing as you spent your life in front of your computer yesterday, the Eagles made a lot of people available to you media members uh and uh i i feel better about the birds today just because i got to know a couple people that are going to be major movers and shakers with the philadelphia eagles this upcoming season yeah you finally got to see the coordinators i think that was the biggest part and you see the theme they're going for i mean it's pretty obvious that they're all young they're all enthusiastic they're all uh trying to bring this new energy into the building and you know I'd say it all the time. Everybody wants to copy Sean McVay and what he's done in Los Angeles with the Rams. The Eagles have gone down that route with these young, uh, innovative, supposedly coaches. We'll see how it works out. Obviously, you know, that'll be told on the field, but you can certainly see what they're going for. I will say that. And it's working for them, at least in this uh, Eagle consumer's <laughs> mind, uh, because yesterday I not only was – intrigued by what Jonathan Gannon had to say, but he actually made me smile with a couple of things that he said uh, in his first media session with you guys yesterday. Uh, enthusiastic, yes. Uh, certainly <clears throat> has a plan and a position, yes, you like to see. And his whole hits uh, philosophy, which I'll let you explain here in just a second. But I'll tell you what I liked most about him, John. And this has been my belief in coaching forever for a long yeah. time the fact that he was uh, kind of outspoken about the fact that because people wanted to tie him down and uh give us your exact philosophy and how you're going to do this and how you're going to do that and he said well, guys there's a couple things here that you can't put into the equation yet i don't even know my players we've yeah. got to see our players we got to coach up our players and we got to figure out what they do best and then with what they do best, that's how we're going to deploy them when we put our defenses in place. Yeah. And we don't know the opponent. You're asking me questions about an opponent. Well, we're going to have uh, that many different opponents during the upcoming season on a given Sunday, depending on what the other team has, the other team does. That's going to help to dictate our defense. I've always believed that's the best way to attack, that you can have your system and your beliefs in your system, and then you're going to make those players capable of doing that. His square peg round hole 
that doesn't work. You have to have no. some flexibility. And I thought Jonathan Gannon showed a ton of that yesterday. Yeah, he he said all the right things, but that's what it is, Jody. And, you know, I've heard this a lot over the years. You're 100% right. Um, the coaches that have their scheme, and basically it's become a cliche around the NFL when you're hiring coaches. You know, people around the league will tell you if you are hiring a scheme, you're doing it wrong. In right. other words, if you see somebody running something you like, Adam Gase would be a good example to you with the Jets and before the Jets, the Miami Dolphins. If you see something you like, and that was 600 points and 50 touchdowns in Denver with Peyton Manning, and you get all enamored with that and say, I got to have this guy. I got to run that offense. Well, he ain't bringing Peyton Manning with him. So, you know, you have to adjust to what you have. That was, you know, it's one of the positive things on the field I say about Nick Sirianni. One thing about the Colts and the Colts offense, not by design, obviously, by necessity, they had to go through Andrew Luck and Jacoby Brissett and, and Phillip Rivers over a three-year span. They were completely different offenses because they had to be completely different offenses. And they were all somewhat successful. Even, even the year with Jacoby Brissett, it wasn't, terrible uh they were still able to move the football uh pretty consistently so i think that's positive that's what jonathan was trying to get across look he loves mike zimmer you can see that you can see the respect coming through matt eber uh Pluse as well from indianapolis even brought up emmett thomas and jerry gray and guys like that um you could see the respect he has for those players Everybody talks about the A-gap blitzes, and I asked John, Jonathan that myself with Mike Zimmer. It's what he's famous for. He's the godfather of the, the A-gap look in the NFL. And he just said, yeah, well, it was about the players. They had Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks, and, you know, they could do everything. They can blitz. They can cover. They can stop the run. So he used it a lot. Um when he had to go to Eric Wilson, who's now here because of an injury last year, he didn't use it as much because he's not Anthony Barr. Right. And I think that is what, as he likes to be called, JG was trying to say, you got to see what you have. You got to utilize what your players can do. That's what every coach in this league should do, Jody. You're right, but they don't. No. So you have to see where they end up. And he, he was pretty committed to it. And again, we won't really know until we see them get out there and actually perform and we can judge and go back and look at Tate and go, well, he did change there and he changed this, or I'm going to jam my throat down your system and we're going to make it work. He was committed to yesterday selling the fact that well, I'm not ready to reveal what I'm going to do just yet because I don't have a good enough grasp on my own players. Yeah. When I do, I'll know a little bit better, which is, I think, the perfect attitude. And good job by you calling him JG, sucking up immediately one you <laughs> brownie points with the new defensive coordinator. So thumbs up, McMullen. Um, and the other thing that he he kind of harped on yesterday that I I, I liked was the fact that uh, you got to go against your opponents too. That yeah. it's nice to have a philosophy. No it's nice of, uh, for you to believe what you're going to be able to do week in and week out, but. It depends on who you're going up against. And we know what the Eagles schedule is now. So we know the type of teams, but they'll get film on all of those guys too. Again, flexibility for players is nice. Flexibility for coaches, at least from my point of view, is a necessity as well in the league these days. 
You know what I found most refreshing about Gannon, Jody? What's that? He said everybody runs the same thing. It's not it's not about what you do, it's about how you do it. Uh, you know, it's 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 awesome to see that refreshing honesty. There's only so many things you can do, and as you scale back um with practice time and we've talked about it becomes even more. And you know, I I was thinking yesterday when we had Hollis Thomas on, um, and Hollis is an old school guy, and he's talking about you need to prepare, you need to practice. You know, I'm thinking the Eagles are going in this young coaching direction for a reason, because old old school guys, and I include myself in them, you're probably in it as well, Hollis, we're used to a certain way, and it's tough to to go in a different direction. Whereas younger coaches, younger people, they say, okay, this is the way it is. This is the rules you're giving to me. I'm going to try to maximize that instead of complaining that I don't have two a day practice instead of complaining that I'm not going to be able to do all these different things. And you really have to simplify and I think it was perfect what he said. Everybody runs the same thing, Jody. Everybody runs the same thing. Here's the reason why I think we all have to accept uh, what today's NFL leading up to a season, the collectively bargained rules that we're playing in. Uh, yeah, we'd like more access. We'd like to think our team is more prepared, more ready for uh, the upcoming season, maybe to improve. Got to be the case with the Eagles after 4-11-1. But here's where it isn't as big a deal as some people want to make it out to be. It's still the same for everybody. Yeah. And it may actually be more conformed than ever before because 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, teams could actually decide themselves how much work and how much time they were going to put in. Some teams with very uh, famous two-a-day type practices, how many hours they were going to get and how much work they're going to actually put in. Well, now it's kind of all equal across the board because you're so restricted by how much time they are asked to put in and they probably put in uh, less than they ever did before. Um, it's Everybody's in the same boat. So again, it's how you use the limited time that you have to the best of your ability, get the best out of it. That's a team that should get the best results. Yeah, it is. And I think we all went into last season with the same mentality. We've mentioned it on the show in the past and that the Eagles would have this huge advantage with this veteran coaching staff in a situation where nobody could practice. Nobody was there in the offseason and everybody else in the division had uh, new coaching staffs. And it turned out to be anything but uh, maybe they didn't adjust well to the pandemic. Maybe they didn't adjust well to the limited time. Um, I do think part of the reason for the shift in the coaching staff is what I said. I mean, it's a new era. It's not going back to the way it, it once was. So you have to have maybe new ideas and people think about things in a new way. This really started all the way back with Chip Kelly with the Eagles. And, you know, the one thing for all the criticism Chip gets, the one thing he always said that that's kind of resonated with me is, you know, don't tell me something and, and say that's the way it's always been. I, I don't want to hear that. You know, I, I don't care about the way it's always been. Let's do it the right way. That kind of framework, which I that part I, I always agreed with. 
Well, and at least we don't talk about smoothies anymore. And that has not been the case <laughs> since Chip Kelly left. Um, uh, quickly, we got uh, Les Bowen from the Inquirer is going to join us coming up in a, a couple of minutes. But again, I thought Jonathan Gannon was the most interesting, most insightful guy that spoke yesterday. His hits philosophy. I'd never heard that before, and it made a ton of sense as soon as he rolled it out there. Uh, and from a defensive coordinator, I thought it was a very good way of looking at things. Uh, what did you take out of his quote-unquote hits philosophy? Yeah, I, I mean, it's nice. It's nice to put a, a, a little bit of a tag on things. And he's talking about hustle, in, intensity, takeaways. All, you know, we all talk about that in smart football. Uh, basically, it's just – you know, if you play that way, you're going to have a pretty good football team. But I think, you know, one thing he stressed was effort, and he felt that Indianapolis under Everflus, and obviously he was there, uh, were a big effort team on defense. But he also said the Eagles in a bad year were also a huge effort team on defense. He saw a lot of effort. Maybe it's lip service, maybe it's not. Um, but he said that wasn't the problem. That's what he wants to bring uh, to this organization, but you know, Jody, it all comes down to talent. Does he have enough talent on the back seven on paper? Probably not right now. So he's going to have to mask some deficiencies and that's where he'll, you know, get his reputation as a coach. And we'll see if he's capable of doing that with, as you say, uh, as of right now, seems to be at least our interpretation, our evaluation, a somewhat undermanned back seven, but uh, you couldn't take that from the coach yesterday. He seemed to like what he's got so far in the room. Mm -hmm. But we hope the Eagles are adding at least a little bit more talent there before the regular season gets underway. He was just one of the three coaches who spoke yesterday, along with three players, veteran guys, two really veteran guys, one relatively young. He's becoming a veteran pretty quickly. And Miles Sanders, who also spoke yesterday, uh, we will break down all the stuff that those guys had to say, and we're going to help in hand doing it. Joining us next from the Philadelphia Inquirer, veteran football writer, Les Bowen joins us right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Seven, three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams 
deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. In the Wildwoods, our free beaches are spacious and welcoming with plenty of room to spread out. Your seat will be waiting for you when you're ready to visit. The Wildwoods, creating cherished family memories for generations. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. It is a football Friday here on Birds 365. The Magamac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald here with you. And we've got added intelligence today. Joining us here on Birds 365 <laughs> is from the Daily News, Eagles beat writer, Les Bowen. Les, looking good today. How are you, bud? I'm great, fellas. How are you? Doing well, Les. I love the t-shirt. The old juice team. Yeah, it's actually a tribute to... Uh, yeah. Sports writer who passed away, John knows this, uh, Therese Taylor in uh, Kansas City, a young guy who died suddenly back during the winter. It was uh, something that he did, uh, his all-juice team, and uh, they sold these T-shirts to raise money for a scholarship at Howard University uh, in his name. Yeah, nope. nice yeah. little tribute, and uh, as Les said, good good cause as well, so... Uh, well done, Les Bowen, from that st- standpoint, and also well done from your trip down to Louisiana. And, and Les did a deep dive into Jody's favorite player in the world, Devontae Smith. Uh, you got to look into his background, talk to some family members. First of all, what is the name of the city? How do we pronounce it? Apparently, they call it A-Meet, which, you know, it's A-M-I-T-E, which... I would never think a meet, but Louisiana is weird in that way. <laughs> you know, what really happened there was uh, I was already going to Louisiana. I have a son, Dan Bowen, my younger son, uh, if you're keeping score at home, uh, who uh, was getting his master's from LSU that weekend. And uh, draft night, when they did draft Devontae, you know, when I got done work, I started looking you know, at stuff, and I thought, wonder where that is in Louisiana. It turns out it's about an hour's drive east of uh, Baton Rouge. So then I changed my travel plan, stayed an extra couple days after my wife went home and uh, got to go to A-Meet. And uh, it was a good thing to do. I've enjoyed, we used to do a lot more of those kind of, you know, how newspaper business has been or the media company business has been. Uh, 15 years ago, there was a lot more money and we did things like this routinely. Uh, If the Eagles drafted a guy, I did a, I did a huge Kevin Cobb piece once uh, going down 
hometown in Texas, which didn't turn out to be all that useful in the long run. <laughs> <laughs> well, know, they thought it was going to be useful. But, That's all that matters, Les. They yeah. thought it was going to be really useful. Yes. Um, but I did enjoy the piece. Everybody should check it out at inquire.com. I think, you know, some of the things about DeMonte Smith that sort of jump out at me is his maturity. And I think you got to get to the core of that. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Uh, he uh, his mom's a social worker in in Amy, and uh, when he was little, her job required her to go out and you know re- kind of rescue kids from troubled situations, uh, fraught situations where people were you know domestic violence and things like this. And uh, he got to even though he comes from a very stable family situation he he got to see and experience uh you know these traumas through her and he was very worried about her uh during this time didn't like her having to do that and i I think it influenced his frame of mind his references growing up were all about you know doing the right thing and uh you know not causing strife i guess uh so uh yeah he's and he's he just seems to be uh you know he went back for this last year at alabama could have gone to the draft last year wanted to get his education degree and has some ideas long term about you know helping people and so forth so yeah i think he's a mature guy i think he's uh, a culture setter kind of guy and that's with this team that's something we're seeing a lot of uh this year they know that the guys that have been the leaders for many years are kind of aging out. They're all over 30, uh, mm-hmm. the Nathan Kelsey's, the Brandon Graham's, the Fletcher Cox's, uh, Brandon Brooks, uh, Lane Johnson, you know, it, they need a new group that's going to really take over the locker room, uh, eventually and, and be the, the people that really, you know, are the heart and soul of the team. And, and I think Devontae is one of those guys. Don't say over 30 around Fletcher Cox. He'll get uh, yeah. annoyed. He, he is I'm not in 30. my 30s. He's I'm not, not in, in his 30s. 30. He's just 30 years old. do math a lot different. Now. <laughs> yes. One more Amit question before we get to Devontae and, and uh, everything you guys were able to get out of the uh, people that the Eagles made available yesterday. If it's only an hour out of Baton Rouge, and I've got family yeah. down in Baton right. Rouge. My brother-in-law is a LSU alum, still season ticket holder, lives and dies with the Tigers. How'd they let him get out of town? How's he end up in Alabama and not an hour away in Baton Rouge? Well, that's an interesting story, Jody. Uh, there's this guy, Vincent Sanders, who was a barber in Amit. Uh, he took over his far- father's barber shop, uh, and he kind of became, you know, College recruiting is an interesting place these days. <laughs> a lot going on. Uh, Vincent Sanders kind of became a conduit. Uh, he started taking kids to camps. Uh, and, and Amy's kind of out in the country. It's a small high school. There are several small high schools around it. Not necessarily the hub of college recruiting. So he had a truck and he would get a bunch of guys in his truck and take them to like the Under Armour camp or something and pay for yeah. them. So he became like a power broker. 
And he developed a close relationship with Alabama. And they had several guys from that area go to Alabama. And LSU kind of noticed this. And uh, he claims he got death threats on uh, oh. message board. Uh-huh. Uh, he doesn't live in Louisiana anymore. He lives in Tampa now. But, uh, yeah, that was kind of the deal. And uh, the LSU people were not at all happy about it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's weird. You know, Vincent Sanders claims he doesn't get any money for any of this. Uh, I don't know. But, <laughs> uh, it, yeah. uh, it's an odd, you know, college sports these days, you know. Yeah, it's you, not. Uh... One thing I'll say for college athletes so in doing this story, I was Googling Devonte Smith one-handed catch because there's this picture of him yeah. one-handed catch against LSU where you can see his dad standing in the bleachers behind his arm. Mm-hmm. I was looking for that. If you Google Devonte Smith and one-handed catch, you can buy all kinds of images of this from all yeah. people, none of whom are giving any money to Devonte Smith. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean that, that that's weird. To me. That's a whole show on its own, it yes. But you know, as a, as an aside, you know all these LSU guys. I want to know. You saw Jalen Mills over the years, Duke Riley recently. Every chance they get, they put on the purple. Yeah. Is Dan like that? <laughs> Is your son like that? Is well, he... there again, interesting aside. My son, who does not play, did not play football. Yeah, did his undergrad at Ohio State. Oh, oh, oh. And then did his graduate work at LSU. He likes to say that he sort of uh, plowed the way for Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. That's exactly where he's going. He's just like Joe Burrow. So he wears both, depending on who's doing well at the time. Uh, (laughs) Both teams won the national championship while he was there. Damn. Uh, So I'm assuming he's a Yankees fan, a Lakers fan. Eagles fan. Okay. But trying to get a job – in counseling sports psychology now that he has his master's he worked in the athletic department there at lsu so if you are in that capacity and you would like to see your school win the national championship there you go hire les's son and that'll get the job done it's good selling point les good selling point all right, Les, let me let me ask you. Uh, yesterday, uh, kudos to the Eagles. They made a bunch of people available. You knew the coordinators were coming. You guys first chance to actually get to question and or at least via Zoom, <laughs> see these guys and a couple of veteran players. Who impressed you the most? Who said something that grabbed your attention the most out of all the guys who were made available yesterday? Well, I think you were touching on this right before I came on. I think Gannon was amazing. Yeah. Uh, Gannon, the defensive coordinator, and a couple of us were sort of texting afterward because we don't get to see each other in person these days. We just text uh, as sports writers, uh, guys who cover the Eagles. The Eagles, for whatever reason, made a big deal out of not making this guy available for months and months after he was hired. Yeah. Afraid that he was going to give away some humongous secret or I don't know what the hell the problem was, but he was if they could have gotten him out there three months ago after let's say the first Nick Sirianni press conference, which was kind of a, you know, he, he kind of caught people wrong footed. Yeah. This guy very much sounds like he knows what he's doing. He he's been in these situations before he knows how to handle himself. That would have been a tremendous asset for them 
to get him out there long before this and re- kind of reassure people that even though he's young as the head coach is, he's an adult, you know, I mean, he's, this is a guy that seems to know what he's talking about. And he, I can't imagine why you wouldn't want to put that out there as quickly as you could. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Les, they have this default setting where everybody's going to do poorly. Yeah. Now, some, some guys handle it. Well, Jonathan handled ordinarily well, he handled it. Yeah. Any well coach, I've been around in football, you know. You know, from a player standpoint, I think Jalen Hurts handles things well. I think he's 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 very good uh, in those types of situations. Never blustered, always even keeled. Yeah. I think it's a positive. And for some reason, they default to, oh, this is bad. Somebody's got to go out there and talk to the media. Personally, I don't understand it, but I agree with you uh, on Jonathan Gannon, and I think it was ironic last when he said everybody runs the same thing. And so what's he giving away? He's, he's trying to point out the fact that it, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And, and just the fact that he thought about the question, sometimes he came back, mm-hmm. he did a Jen Psaki and came back to it uh, and, and, and gave some really uh, thoughtful answers. If you look at all the coverage today, it's, it's glowing. Yes. Uh, how do they not see that? I don't know. I think there was a lot with Sirianni. There was a lot of back then, you know, they hadn't resolved the Carson Wentz thing and he didn't come off well when he tried to answer questions about that. And they just sort of went into, uh, you know, bunker mode, I I think, uh, at that time. Uh, There's this fear anytime they put somebody out there that someone is going to ask a difficult question. Well, they are, you know, kind of part of the deal. And you don't have to, you can just answer it in a smooth manner. <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't have to, it's, it's not like that's kryptonite to me, but I, I don't know. It's, I, I think things are changing there. I think it might be a little different going forwards. Um, and I think this group of coaches is going to help them uh, in that regard. I think they're, they're pretty good. Uh, yeah. Michael Clay was good. Yeah. yeah was good uh you know i I don't think they're going to have a lot of problems there in terms of presenting their case to people i think the guy who's probably uh the most kind of out in left field is the head coach but he's i think now that people have heard him a few times they realize that he's just like a really sort of boundless enthusiasm kind of guy who can kind of get off on a tangent and you know, it's not that he's uh, – I, I think people will learn better how to take him as time goes by. Well, let's, let's flip it to the other side of the ball. First time you got a chance to talk to Shane Steichen as well, the offensive coordinator. He surely wasn't as ebullient as uh, the defensive coordinator, <laughs> a little bit more reserved, yeah. uh, which lent itself to maybe not getting as much information as you guys wanted if you wanted to speculate as to what the Eagles' offense was going to look like. Reading between the lines, and yes, he made you do a little of that, what did you think of Steichen and the offense that he and his head coach, Nick Sirianni, are going to try and employ this year? Yeah, I thought he was solid. I, I, like you said, he didn't give a lot away. Um I think some fans were worried uh, when he when he and others said that the offense w- wouldn't be that different. 
I think players take that as a good thing because they don't have to totally, you know, reorient themselves. Uh, but the Eagles haven't been good on offense the last couple years. And I think that worries fans, but I don't really think, yeah, you know, I think the, the, the Eagles were doing, they were up to date with their concepts pretty much mm-hmm. with some exceptions. It was the plays that were called in the situations they were called in and the execution of those plays that made it a bad offense, not necessarily the concept. I mean, they won a Super Bowl with that concept. They just didn't, you know, they ran it differently as the years went by. Uh, So I wasn't that worried that they're going to have a similar offense. I don't think any modern, you know, state-of-the-art NFL offense is that different from the one they've been running. Um, Yeah, it all sounds good to me. It's going to come down to whether the offensive line is healthy and whether Jalen Hurts is really all that. You know, that's – yeah. That's boring. You're right, Les. And one thing that stuck out to me about Shane is when he was talking about the offensive line, he said, I believe they're freaking good football players. When he's looking at Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, Jason Kelsey, the historic attrition on the offensive line for the Eagles, that's why they had a bad offense. I mean, it's boring, but that's why they had a bad offense. If you can block people, you're going to be able to do some things. And it's a big if, but yeah. if these guys are healthy less, I, I, that's why I think you see the excitement from Shane Steichen and saying, wow, these guys these guys can play. Well, that's the thing. You know, it's been a couple years now of guys in and out, Brandon Brooks, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's even Lane last year uh, with the ankle, It's it, he's – when we talked to him, he's been fighting this since 2018. Um, It's if they're healthy. Yes. Uh, Surely that has to happen sooner or later. You would think Uh, the odds come out. You're, you know, positively. And they do have, they did develop some depth last year. Uh, So yeah, I think uh, he is excited about that offensive line with good, good cause, I believe. Let's stay on the offensive line. Uh, we asked this basically of seems like every guest we've had on in the last two weeks. We had a couple offensive line, uh, former offensive linemen as guests, which kind of lent it to it. But left tackle position, mm-hmm. you've got Andre Dillard, who was not only a first round draft pick, but a trade up for first round draft pick. The Eagles made a pretty big commitment to injury took out all of last year. And then you've got Mylotta, who was a, Lottery ticket, late round draft pick, but has made really nice strides and opened some eyes. Those two guys will be doing battle for that position this year. Different people will theorize as to how they look at it before they ever get going on the field. High pick, low pick, guy who's actually <laughs> shown you something when he's out there, my lotta, versus a guy who really hasn't. Um, how do you think that plays out? How do you think the Eagles look at that competition? We know it's a competition. Because every chance an Eagle coach gets to talk, he says something about competition. So we're certainly believing that's going to be the case at left tackle. How's it going to play, Les? That's going to be fascinating to watch because, you know, I think the fan base is all like 99% Mylotta because yes, they are. I got killed for guy, this. He's the kind <laughs> of guy you pull for, you know. Uh, but I don't know. I, Andre Dillard is very, very talented. Yes, uh, especially as a pass protector, he's very smooth, and 
you know, he did get hurt last year. It wasn't that he went out and just fell on his face. Right. Uh, he fell on his face the year before at right tackle. He didn't mm-hmm. really fall on his face at left tackle. He was maybe not everything he might have been, but, you know, he wasn't terrible at left tackle. I, we'll see. I, they're not going to just give up on Andre Dillard because they have Jordan Mailata. And with Mailata, the fans don't want to hear this, but as much of a physical marvel as he is, there are still times when you can tell that he just started playing this game a few years ago. There are times when he just totally misses what's going on, you know, and does exactly the wrong thing. And it doesn't happen a lot, but it happens. (laughs) And I don't know how it's going to work out. They both, they can both be starting left tackles in the NFL, I think. Um, uh, people love, you know, my, my lot is competitiveness, his embrace of, of his, you know, the gargantuan task that he had coming into this with no background whatsoever. That should not work out 90 times out of a hundred. That should not work out. You know, a guy that's never played the game, trying to make him into a football player. This guy has been so persistent and so dogged and so committed that it might work out in his situation. But, uh, you know, Andre Dillard was a first-round pick for a reason. <laughs> he, yeah. he is talented, and we'll see. You know, it's there are questions about his makeup. Uh, I don't, did I bring this up the other time I was on with you guys? I, I did a story, Andre's first training camp, mm-hmm. that resonates quite differently now than it did then. His high school coaches came to camp, and I talked to them. I remember that day, Les. And it was, you know, at that time, Andre was being celebrated as this great young player that they had nabbed, uh, that he had slipped a little bit the draft. And, and they were telling a story about uh, he had been a basketball player and they wanted him to play football. And he came out for football and he was uh, whatever, freshman or sophomore. He thought he was going to play JV. And they said, no, 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 you're going to play on the varsity. And he was like, whoa, wait a minute here. I, I varsity (laughs) and they had to they sort of concocted this ceremony where the team leaders would present him with a varsity jersey to get him to feel good about going to the varsity at a young age and at the time it was a cute story but then as you got into the season and people sort of implying or inferring that Andre wasn't that committed that he didn't love it you know that he wasn't uh, his heart maybe wasn't all in what he was doing. The, the story hits differently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, you know, this is something that happens in football. I, I think most of the guys out there would rather be in the NBA if they, if they'd had their druthers. Yeah. That's why they always talk less. That's why they always talk about love and ball. That's right. why Nick Sirianni, yeah. we had Chris Landry on a couple of weeks ago. He told us exact same story. A lot of these guys, it's their means to making a good living. And once they hit that bar, it's like, okay, I made it. I'm done. And I think. Thing to figure out in the draft. Yeah, it is. All have agents who prepare them to say the right things in interviews. Yeah. You know, I'm all, yeah, Danny Watkins was all about it. He loved, he was a guy that loved hard coaching, he told me. Uh, right after he was drafted by the Eagles. Uh, You know, you just can't, 
know whether somebody really wants to do this. It's a really hard sport. It's the hardest, I think. That and this and hockey, the two sports I've covered most, <laughs> are are really hard to play day after day after day. You get the crap beat out of you. You're playing, yeah. you know, black and blue knees and our elbows and you know, you're in with football, you know, you might not know who your grandkids are when you're 60. Uh, it's, it's, you have to really want to do this to be good. You know, to put that on another layer with Andre Dillard in that competition, did you make anything out of the bringing in of LaRaven Clark, who's got some, some kind of versatility? And I only bring up, he's not going to be competing less. I only bring this up for the point of, are they preparing sort of Andre Dillard? It's like win the job or bust because you mentioned he failed at right tackle. He can't be a swing tackle. So Jordan Mailata has proven he'll at least be willing to go to both sides. So is it, you know, win the job or bust for Andre Dillard? You know, it might be depending on what his, how he looks. I mean, if, if they're both tremendous, in training camp and the coaches decide just to go with my because he, he was there more last year and he's bigger. Uh, maybe not, but if Dillard doesn't look good and doesn't win the competition and isn't thrilled about being, you know, not the starter. And like you said, he doesn't offer you a lot of positional versatility. Certainly I could see LaRaven Clark being a hedge. You know, you need some depth, uh, you already have Driscoll. Uh, you have this guy. You could certainly, if if Mylotta wins the job cleanly, and you don't really think Dillard is ever going to get it done, cut the ties and go. You know, get that off your plate. Uh, I, I do think that's a possibility. The Raven Clark, however, uh, I had like a lot. I, you know, I don't watch these guys. Yeah, watch film of the Indianapolis Colts, but I knew he was a big prospect coming out. Uh, third round pick. Third round pick, yeah. He kind of sucked in Indianapolis. Yeah, he did. Uh, he had a whole year. I kept looking for 2019 in his stats, and there, and, and I couldn't find anything about, about an injury. Was he hurt? What? He had a whole year where they just didn't put him in a game. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> dreaded healthy scratch to yeah. the hockey term. They him, or they activated yeah. him and didn't move him off the bench, even to block for an extra point or something. I, so I don't know, you know, is the Raven Clark going to make the team? I, you know, no. we'll most that. likely. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting for that aspect. Like, yes. are they hedging? He's obviously a backup player if he makes the team, but it is interesting when you think about the dichotomy of Jordan Mailata versus Andre Dillard. Absolutely. And yeah. one has versatility. One doesn't. With the Raven Clark, the big Raven Clark anecdote is uh, in Fall of 2015, after the season, Brett Veach, former Eagles, yeah. now the general manager of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, is watching film of offensive linemen. And he's watching this guy from Texas Tech, LaRaven Clark. And he notices their sophomore quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> look at that guy. Imagine going in to look at LaRaven Clark and he come out with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, so they did not draft LaRaven yeah. Clark. But a year later, they drafted Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> that, that, that worked out pretty well for them. All right, uh, I'm going to ask this question, Les, and then I'm surely going to have a follow-up. There's a reason that I'm asking it the way that I'm asking it. I need you to look into your football crystal ball and do a little predicting for us for this upcoming Eagle season. 
Give me an order. The individuals that will catch the most touchdown passes for the Philadelphia Eagles this upcoming season. Yikes. Ah. It's a tough one, Jody. It sure yeah, is. I know. But Les is up to it. I got faith in him. This is something I've given no thought to whatsoever. None whatsoever. That means it's a great uh, question by me. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, Devontae Smith is going to – I think he's going to – I know rookie receivers don't always have, you know, incredible stats. I think he's going to have incredible stats. I think he's going to be the, all that. Um, I think Dallas Goddard, with, with no Ertz, we assume, uh, is going to really have a big year if he's healthy. Rager, I don't know about Rager yet. Uh, that's that's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, he could be third. Miles Sanders could catch a lot of passes this year. Will they be touchdown passes? I don't know. Uh, Williams, the the running the rookie running back, is going to catch passes again. Will it, will it be in the red zone? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Um, but those are some ideas there. Uh, who else could be a great red zone target? I think Jody's leading me down the Greg Ward path. Oh, that's exactly what I'm doing. You went five deep. You never mentioned no. Greg Ward, who in case Les is this, a smart man. That's in case why. you need to look it up, led the Philadelphia Eagles in touchdown receptions last year. And uh, you know what? He's an afterthought. He's just hey, all right, slot. We got to get on the field. Hey, not going to overplay. Not going to overshow him because then you'll see the uh, shortcomings in his game. Yeah. All the guy does is catch balls and produce. I think All right, Les we know he doesn't you, get yak. He doesn't I go think yards will tell you they want to get better at that position. Yeah. They want to get better. Jody, I love Greg Ward. I mean, he was a – We all do. He's a college quarterback. He's a smart guy. Uh, I hope he's on the team. On every bad NBA team, there's a guy who averages 22 points a game. Boy, Les is smart. Boy, a great player. It's because he's the best scorer on that really horrible team. Yes. Uh, He's Fred Carter on the 1973 Sixers. That's my comparison. That's a very good comparison. If I, it will be a bad thing for the Eagles if Greg Ward is more than like the fourth receiver on this team, you know? I mean, I hope he is the fourth receiver. I hope he has a nice year and makes money and, you know, all that stuff. But if Greg, if they're really depending on Greg Ward, they're behind, frankly. Uh, he's, he's a great guy. He is not that talented. He does catch the ball. You're right. Yeah. I, I do want to shift. We started with Jonathan Gannon a couple more minutes with Sorry for taking all this time from you, Les, but That's okay. uh, defensively, the back seven that Jonathan Gannon has to work with, mm-hmm. um, still a concern for me. Yeah. Uh, do you think they made a small move at cornerback? Do you think more is to come? And what do you think of the Ryan Kerrigan move? I mean, is that an indication that this team is falling down sort of that same path and saying, eh, maybe we can compete in this division. Yeah. Let's bring in a veteran guy. The Kerrigan, I'll take the Kerrigan move first. That didn't bother me at all. If you really looked uh, at all the, the, the shuffling they've done, they, they didn't have four pass rushers that you knew were going <clears> to <throat> be team. You know, their fourth guy was going to be a sixth round rookie or, you know, Joe Osman or something like that. Uh, you can't really rely on that. Uh, with Kerrigan, yes, it's a one-year 
you know, he's not going to be part of the next Eagles Super Bowl team in two or three years, but he's such a leader and such an effort guy that he can help the guys that are going to be here. You know, I, I just don't, I don't, if they're good, if they were going to bring in Ryan Kerrigan and play him 90% of the snaps, uh, that would not be good, but he's the, I think he's here as the third or fourth guy in a rotation. And he can, I think he can still handle that. The, yeah. In Washington was they drafted uh, defensive ends in the first round two years in a row. And, you know, he was still productive in the limited time that he got last year. So, yeah, I'll take Ryan Kerrigan. The corner thing is tougher. I wish they could find a Ryan Kerrigan out there somewhere yeah. on the market. Uh, there's still that Nelson guy from the Steelers. I would guess he wants real money. Um they don't have real. They don't have hardly any money until after June first, when the two designations that they've uh, declared: uh, Alshon Jeffrey and uh, was it Deshaun Malik Malik Jackson Malik the other Jack. Okay, yeah. Uh, those two uh, go on. You know, they get the cap relief from that, and presumably they do something with Ertz. Then they might have the money to do something at corner. I really think they need to. I don't see how they compete uh, at the corner opposite uh, Darius Slay right now. I'm just going to remind both of you two guys that after his third year. Uh-oh, we lost Jody. We froze up. I think he was going to give us another Greg Ward. He loves Greg Ward, Les. He loves I, Greg Ward. Ward's I a, love him personally. Yeah. I've said the same thing you. I root for the guy. I hope he has a great year, but it's pretty clear the Eagles want to get better at that position, and they should. Yeah, Greg doesn't offer you a whole lot in terms of route running or, uh, you know, speed or, yeah. uh, you know, uh, he's ha- a guy with hands who's not real big. Uh, yeah. But I, I do like him, and I hope he's on the team, you know. Yeah, both both of you guys are underselling him. But that's okay. What do I know about football? <laughs> I don't know anything about football. Um, yeah. let, let me get uh, this out of your last – we know that the National Football League negotiated with the Players Union how this offseason is playing out. Although they announced it individually per team, it was a bigger and more massive negotiation. The fact that there are no mandatory workouts, none. There is no mandatory camp. Everything is optional, but all the teams are getting significant turnouts. Um, that 80, 75, 80 players are showing up. Certain veterans with certain teams that are already entrenched know that, all right, I don't have to show because I uh, know that I'm going to get my snaps because of my track because of what I've already seen. But it seems like most teams. Yeah, well, Jody's having troubles less, but he's obviously going down the voluntary work. And, and the process, how I take it is, the league itself is obviously negotiating with the union, uh, but they don't want to put a period on it for whatever reason. But my thought process, and, and I want to get your thoughts, is once it's gone, it's not coming back. I mean, once the players say no minicamp, we're not going to have minicamp next year. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Uh, John, I see this as the NFLPA – to get a labor agreement done last year at the start of the pandemic, they agreed to that 17th game. Yeah. That was massively unpopular with the veteran players, uh, particularly the ones that make money and, you know, are entrenched in the league. They, 
really didn't want that. The union is trying to make amends or sort of, uh, what am I trying to say? Ameliorate that by really coming in hard on the OTAs and, yeah. and here's what we're doing for you. We're going to make it so you don't have to do this and you don't have to, it's all having to do with that 17th game. Yeah. Uh, you know, that to them, that makes this much harder and they don't want to have to, you know, risk injury in the spring uh, now that they're, they're doing more in the regular season. I don't know how it's going to work out. It might work out great. Who knows? Uh, yeah. But it is- I mean, they've been fighting for quality of life issues for yeah. a long time and trying to scale back the offseason. You know, interesting, I bring it back to the coaching staff. I don't know if you heard before you, you came on, I was mentioning maybe getting this new coaching staff with such young players. You know, I'm an old school guy. I admit it. You you covered this league for a long time, going back to two-a-days. You know, a lot of old school guys, we had Hollis Thomas on th- this week. He He mentioned the fact that you need to practice to get good at this game, and they have that mentality. Maybe new ideas, new voices, younger people that look at things in a different way, you know, just say, okay, these are the rules. Let me maximize my time. Whereas the old school coaching staff might lament, I don't have this time. What am I going to do? Do you see any of that? I do. I I do see that quite a bit. Uh, I I think the NFL is kind of over – uh, there's a tendency to make too much of everything in the NFL. Um, one problem they have is that the off season is so much longer than the other three sports. Yeah. If you've ever covered the other sports, you know, uh, basketball, the, the, the playoffs end in June and they're back in camp, uh, what late September, early October, uh, baseball, November to February <laughs> is the off season hockey. Uh, the Stanley Cup usually ends in June. Uh, they're back in camp in September. Um, this is the only sport where you go from like February to September, you know, really most of the year without uh, half the year anyway, without without any games. And I think this, the NFL has kind of built up this offseason thing as a huge deal. I, I'm not sure it is. It is. If you have new systems like the Eagles do, and if you have uh, a lot of young players, but for the veterans, this has always been just drudgery. They're only out there in the spring to try to help the young guys, you know, so that the, the drills aren't chaos, so that, you know, they can line up 11 people and have everybody in the right spot and, and have a veteran say, no, no, you stand there. You know, I mean, that's their only purpose in being on the field. They don't need this. They're all, they all work with trainers. They all, you know, nobody's like gaining 50 pounds in the off season or anything like that. Uh, Yeah. I think it's a permanent change. I I think you're exactly right. And I think in 10 years, nobody will even remember that it was ever any different. Last, last thing for me and sorry for the the drop off there, a little technical problem, but uh, thanks for rolling with the punches uh, for us and, and with me. Um, Jeff Laurie used the word transition way back at the start of the offseason when they decided 
to swap out the coaching staff and give Doug Peterson his walking papers. Um, I see transitional elements of what this upcoming season is going to look like in addition to just swapping out the whole coaching staff, but the changes to the roster and the like. We're hoping to have a full-blown season this year. We know they're going to play 17 games. When I say full-blown, I mean packed stadiums, that we're trending in that direction, that we're doing well against the coronavirus, and the NFL thinks they're going to have maximum capacity for all their games. How is the Philadelphia fan base, specifically those who are going to show up at the link eight Sundays this upcoming year, how are they going to handle this transitional year for the Eagles? Boy, that's a good question, Jody. I I think it'll be okay because I don't think anybody's expecting, you know, 13 wins or anything. I think uh, they'll be eager to see, you know, what the new coaching staff brings and some success will be, you know, if you can see progress, if you can see Jalen Hurts doing things, uh, if if Nick Sirianni, you know, makes sense, if if the defense is better, I think people will be very happy. They'll be very happy to be out there in the parking lot. If 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 tailgating is allowed, we don't know that yet. Uh, they'll be very happy to be in the stands. And I don't think it'll be unless the team is just dreadful and there's and it looks like, oh, my God, they've hired a terrible coach and this this quarterback is awful. You know, that would make things different. <laughs> But if they if they I think they could go anywhere from seven and ten to ten and seven. And you know, that's I, I think either way the fan base is gonna be okay. Ten and seven, I think the fan base would be thrilled at this point. Uh as long as two of the seven aren't to Dallas or something. <laughs> but uh, you know, it I, I think it'll be a good year. I, I don't it's a new era. You, you get some slack. I think everybody understands that. And, uh, you know, Hertz is still brand new. I, I think it'll be a little bit like 2016 was uh, for the Eagles. And 2016 was not a bad year if it leads to 2017 and 2021. That's great stuff. Again, I'm sorry for dropping off. You stayed steady the whole time. You always do, my friend. Thank you for coming on. Uh, you know, we'll be tapping into you again soon enough. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Les. That is Les Bowen from the Daily News. Uh, been covering the birds for decades here in this town. Does a great job in his writings and whenever he comes on with us. We would be the Mac and Mac guys. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Hopefully our connection stays solid because we still got an hour left on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. In the Wildwoods, our free beaches are spacious and welcoming with plenty of room to spread out. Your seat will be waiting for you when you're ready to visit. The Wildwoods, creating cherished family memories for generations. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. A football Friday edition of Birds 365. Mac and guy. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. John McMullen, Jody McDonald here with you. Or at least we're here now. Hopefully I don't drop off again. I don't know what the hell happened there. I just disappeared right in the middle of our segment with uh Les Bowen, who was uh tremendous with us again. Stuck around for a very long period of time. And I just saw this now. I'm gonna uh make my partner do a little work here. Uh you got your Uh-oh. computer ready and handy? Yeah. Uh, can, can yeah, you do, it's right in front of me, Jerry. Can you do Twitter while we broadcast at the same time? I can do Twitter. You can. Uh, do me a favor. Check out Les Bowen's last tweet. All right. Or it might be his next to last tweet. It just came up in my uh, general group of tweets. Um, it, it is just uh, it grabs my attention. Has talking zero- about his- you're talking about his dog tweet? Yes, has zero to do with the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. Now, we just had Les on. Yeah. He's a straight shooter. Um, he kind of like Shane Steichen uh, to the point. Not very emotional, but you got to pay attention because it's going to give you information. Uh, but he's he, he's not going to fall down on the side of emotion like some of the Eagle coaches. Yeah. I can't believe what he tweeted about his dog. Do, do our listeners a favor. Read to him, read to them our, our, our last guest's last tweet. Well, the less is very similar to me, and, and my dog hates other dogs as well. National, it, he did it for National Rescue Dog Day. Is your dog a rescue dog? Uh, yes, so is mine. And, and uh, it, it, her name is Allie. Uh, Les says she's the most wonderful dog in almost every way. But our one request was that the dog get along with other dogs. So, of course, Allie feels strongly that all other dogs should die. It is her mission statement. So I don't know if she belongs to Hamas, but uh, her mission statement is not a good one. 
Oh, that's hysterical. And he's got a picture of his dog, and she looks like the sweetest thing in the world. Oh, yeah. Doesn't look like she'd hurt a fly. And he, the dog is ready to just go out on a killing spree no. and take out you every know, other my, dog my, on the planet. Don't be going over to Les Bowen's house with your dog, McMullen, because you might my, not come home with one. Yeah, that would be an interesting matchup because my dog is the same way. If any dog walks by our house, Jody, she goes berserk. Uh, that dog is not allowed in her area, never mind anything. But she's the sweetest dog. I mean, she just, uh, the only thing she would do to you is uh, kiss you to death if she ever got. Now, she will scare you before she kisses you to death because if you come near me or her mother, she's going to bark and make you think you're going to die. But then if, you, if you're not afraid and if you go to pet her, go to, she'll just kiss you. She'll kiss you to death. And my dog is uh, different. We, we were on our second dog, my wife and I. Uh, we went from Roxy, Roxanne, to Moxie. So we've had Roxy and Moxie over the last 15 years. And uh, Moxie is now head of the house these days. She didn't bark at anybody. Oh, my own my dog, God. Roxy, used to, anybody came to the door, it's uh, yeah. a death march. Yeah. She's going to take off the leg whoever came to the door, including people that she should know who have been in the house yeah. previously. Doesn't yeah. matter. This one loves everybody. She is just absolutely adorable. She and she's big too. She's a Catahoulu leopard, which is yeah. a kind of a different kind of breed. Uh, she could do some serious damage if she wanted to, but she is anything but a killer. She well, I is- find I've had big dogs in the past. Big dogs are mellow, man. They kind of walk around. I call it big dog energy. They they walk around like you can't do anything to me. I'm I'm just mellow. Whereas like- little dogs. They get anxious, and there's a lot of anxiety, and they're the big talkers. There's no no question about that. What What is your dog weigh these days? She's about thirty pounds. 30 she's pounds. a she's a beagle bulldog. Yeah, my my dog's at least eighty, maybe sneaking up at a hundred. She's pretty big, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, could do damage, but you'd never know. Yeah, that's that's big dogs, Jody. We're having a Jody Mac uh, technical problem today. We've lost him again. We froze. Uh, we're going to have Alex Marbez, uh, national football reporter, Sirius XM host. And by the way, for those of you who know Jody and I, we are big wrestling fans. And Alex is also uh, doing commentating, doing interviewing for AEW wrestling. So, We'll get into that a little bit, but uh, we're going to head to the break. We're going to have Alex after the break. Uh, Stay tuned. More Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. 
It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. In the Wildwoods, our free beaches are spacious and welcoming with plenty of room to spread out. Your seat will be waiting for you when you're ready to visit the Wildwoods, creating cherished family memories for generations. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Fridays, I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong, or my computer's doing wrong, or my internet's doing wrong, but something's going wrong because I dropped off a couple times today. Appreciate your patience, uh, Eagle fans, here on Birds 365, the Mac and Mac guys, or at least one Mac. Johnny Mac has mm. been steady, much like Les Bowen. Johnny Mac has been steady all show long. Unfortunately, I've dropped off and come back and dropped off and come back, and I'll continue to do that until the show is over. Uh, John said before we went to break, we are waiting for Alex Marvez. A little early, uh, Alex wasn't scheduled to join us for another 10 minutes, but uh, we should be able to punch him up at some time. He's been covering the National Football League for decades, as a matter of fact, doing shows these days on Sirius XM's NFL channel, but also being part of the broadcast team on AEW. Yeah. Mac and Mac are both huge wrestling fans. I watch uh, the WWE on Mondays and Fridays and now Tuesdays with NXT, but I'm also an AEW fan on Wednesday nights. And uh, Marvez always gets the key behind scenes interviews with all the top guys from the AEW. Yeah, Mark, Marvez has my dream job, to be honest, Jody. I want to get in that industry. I want to cover that industry. But, you know, you got to go where they pay you. So Mar and Marvez gets to do both. Yes. I'm, I'm envious. But you'd probably have to live down in Jacksonville. You have you ever lived down south? Uh, lived in Tampa for a while, very short time, about two okay. years. And I'd love to live there again, by the way. And I've never been anywhere but here in the Northeast in my life. I've always said that uh, one of the very few places I would actually move Northeast to would be San Diego. I could deal with oh, yeah. 78 well, degrees. Except, except for the tax. I mean, the weather, the this, the taxes are just, and and the cost of living. That makes it uh, very, but just from a weather standpoint, 
best city in America. Right. And I may be able to pull that off because I don't know about you. You're going to grab uh, Mega Millions tickets or is it Powerball? I forget which one. One yeah, of the that, two of them is over 500 million. Oh, is it? No, I yeah. have to check that out. That That's my wife's. Uh, she keeps an eye on that. So she does? she'll let okay. me know. Today, today is a Friday drawing. Uh, so uh, you might have to make sure that you get those tickets because I, I play my general rule is, and I know we're waiting for Alex Marvez, and I don't want to get uh, too in-depth on any Eagle conversation with John, because we're going to have to jump in when Marvez joins us. So instead, we'll talk lottery. I do uh, I do want to talk about you going down this Greg Ward path. Les and I are just trying. Look, we're not lying. Yeah, well, you're they haters. There's no, question, there's no question Jody, in my mind you're both haters. Jody, no, we are not haters. What we're telling you is the team wants to get better at that position. Now, if they don't, they don't, but it's a bad sign. That's what we're trying to tell you. We're not lying to you. Right, and what I'm trying to tell you, and if they're listening, the Eagle coaching staff, all this guy does is catch balls. And I, I don't know this for a fact. I've never actually asked this question of Bill Belichick, but I'm guessing when he, in his third season, he had all of uh, 10 receptions. I had his numbers up here a second ago. Um, Julian Edelman when he was with the New England Patriots. Let me quickly give you his first year, played in 11 games, had 37 receptions as a rookie back in 2009. Came back in 2010, played 15 of the 16 games, had seven receptions for 86 yards. In his third year, he played 13 games. He had four receptions for 34 yards. I'm guessing they were having those same conversations in New England. We just need to get better at that position. And then in his uh, fourth year. Uh, well, they did have to get better at the position. There's no question players can develop. But I'm going to ask you. I mean, it, you know, Julian Edelman, as you mentioned, I get where you're going. You know, he was a quarterback and Greg Ward was a quarterback. And it takes time to make a transition. But, I mean, if you watch them play, Julian Edelman had – extraordinary short area quickness. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, and, and those are traits that make you, that can make you into a, a, a really good slot receiver. Greg Ward has a lot of things. He's got football intelligence. He's got good hands. Um, as we, as Les and I both mentioned, he's well-liked uh, uh, among his teammates in the organization. Um, Doug Peterson's wife, uh, wife's favorite player, a lot of good stuff. He does not have short area quickness of Julian Edelman. So, I mean, you know, I, 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 I would say watch those two players play. They're not similar in, in their skill sets. And that's, you know, that's the problem with Greg is the explosion, uh, the lack of speed. Um, but, you know, what Nick, Nick Sirianni said, what Jonathan Gannon said, you don't have – what you want at every position. You have to maximize what you have. If he's their best slot receiver, he's got to play. All I'm trying to tell you, and all Les was trying to tell you, is they want to get better at that position. They want to get better at that position. Doesn't mean they can. They want to get better at cornerback. Doesn't mean they can. So I'm not saying he doesn't have an opportunity. I'm saying they would prefer that somebody like Quez Watkins develops. They would prefer that somebody like Travis Fulgham or J.J. Ortega-Whiteside can develop outside so they can play Rager or Smith more in the slot. They would prefer to go in other directions to put more speed 
and more of that quickness on the field. That's all I'm saying. And what I'm saying is, and I know that everyone's got their prototypic uh, type receivers and uh, everyone would like to have one receiver, at least six foot two, who could make the back shoulder catch. And I, I, I want to play if I'm, if I was seeing where uh, the uh, coaches were yesterday and explaining my philosophy for the first time to you guys, it would be one of my tenants. My best players are going to play. I'm going to get them out there and give them chance. I'm going to scheme up plays. I'm going to come up with a system where my best players can thrive. And if my three best wide receivers are uh, Smith and Rager and Ward, I'm going to come up with a system that's going to work for all those guys. But and I, but Ward I, is going to be in what... the slot, and I'm going to find ways to get Smith and Rager open on the outside, even though neither one of them is six foot two and are going to be phenomenal at the back shoulder catch. I'm going to have faith in my system that I'm going to be able to figure out a way to scheme these guys open, get the ball downfield, move the chains, and get into the end zone. And that's essentially what Nick Sirianni has said. But I, I think where the difference is, you're putting a period on it. What he's doing is saying, okay, if that's what I have, it's that if that's my best option, that's what I'm going to roll with. But I'm going to try to get a better option. I'm going to try to develop a better option. I have to get better. You don't just put a period on that sentence. You're always trying to get better in this league. If you're not, if you're standing still, you're in trouble. So that is where I think the disconnect is. The Eagles want to get better. That's how I describe it. The Eagles want to get better at the slot receiver position. Doesn't mean they can get better, but they're going to be trying to get better. And they're going to be trying to develop somebody with with greater traits to get on the field. And that's all I, that's all we're trying to say. I actually think they're okay at the wide receiver position. I'm not in love. Uh adding a guy like Devonta Smith certainly makes it a better room and a more talented room. But I think there's some potential in the wide receiver room. How are they going to get better at cornerback, Johnny Mack? We talked about it with Les Bowen and uh, the fact that after June 1st, they will have a little bit more cap flexibility if they release Zach Ertz. They get that after June 1st release player cap uh, with the two Jackson guys. Uh, are they actually going to be able to add a cornerback, or was this week's big trade the comparable to uh, Ronald, Ronald Darby-type acquisition that they made? Is Boy, this the group they're going forward with? I, I still think they want to add another cornerback, and we keep bringing up that name, Steven Nelson, because he's the best one out there, and he's an outside corner. And he's not great, but he would at least be better uh, than what he what you have right now. If not, I mean, it's similar to what we just said about Greg Ward on the offensive side. If not, you got to put Abonte Maddox outside, uh, and you got to make do, whether it's the new kid, Joe Josiah Scott, or whether it's uh, – Zach, Zach McPherson, um, they have a lot of slot corners, so I'm not concerned about that. They should be able to find somebody who could at least hold down the slot position. My concern is the outside corner spot, and Abonte's undersized. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. He's five foot nine. You're asking him to cover the Mike Evans in the world, the Julio Jones in week one. They're at Atlanta. That's Julio Jones if, if the Falcons don't trade him. Um, that's difficult. I mean, physics say that's difficult. They have very short arms. Maddox and Scott are almost frequently similar from an athletic standpoint. They're both 5'9". They both have really short arms. They can both run. 
The difference is Avante played outside at Pitt, so he was more comfortable doing it because um, he was used to doing it at the college level. So they'll default to him unless they can get somebody better. But they're trying to get somebody better. You're always trying to get somebody better. Did you like what the defense coordinator had to say yesterday in that vein? And it wasn't as much directly about the cornerbacks. He was asked, and it was correctly pointed out, that he is a former DB coach, that that yeah. was kind of his ballywick and the group that he came through. So uh, he's going to certainly be working hand-in-hand with his DB coaches. We mentioned by name yesterday and said, I really like my coaching staff as far as defensive backs go. But he also gave his opinion on his overall philosophy um, did that work for you? Did you like what you had, what he had to say about how he's going to employ and uh, work up the DBs? Yeah, one of the things that impressed me about Jonathan Gannon in Indianapolis, they didn't have great corners. I mean, Xavier Rhodes has a big name. He was an all-pro in Minnesota, but when he left the Vikings, he had a really, really bad season. They got him off the scrap. He kind of rehabilitated him. G.J. Carey was on the other side. He did a good job with him. So he's elevated guys that maybe didn't look great on paper, it's going to have to do the same thing here in Philadelphia. We are the Macromac guys here on Birds 365. As you can see on the screen, we have our next guest ready to rock and roll to us. He does a phenomenal job covering the National Football League on Sirius XM's NFL channel. He does a great job as part of the broadcast team on AEW as well. The only thing that's disappointing me before we start is, as you can see, both of the Macromac guys go with the great the go team. Yeah. Pretty gray. Marvez used to have one of the greatest goatees in the history of goatees, and he doesn't rock it anymore. Tony Khan, make you shave it? Tell me that's no. not true, Alex. No, my daughter. She's oh. four. She said, Daddy, <laughs> trim the goatee. I said, okay. How can I say right. no to my daughter? Yeah. What am oh, I going to okay. do? You know good. what I mean? The good part was losing weight. Because and not that you guys, yeah. you know, you're no, thin, no, you're I have thin. to lose weight. No, no but it covers a yeah. lot. Like yeah. it does definitely has a slimming effect. There's no yeah. question about it. So at least I dropped a few pounds before doing it. Yeah. Very nice. Alex, we appreciate you coming on board. You heard us. We were just talking about the new Eagle coaching staff. John and the guys on the beat got the chance to talk to uh, both of the coordinators yesterday. You've covered a lot of teams and teams have made coaching staffs, uh, coaching changes on the staffs that you covered how difficult is that in that first year that a new head coach with a new staff has got to come in, create their culture? That's a word that's used a lot these days in the National Football League. But then everybody has to buy into it, and you've got to get it up to speed. How difficult a task is that in the NFL these days? Jody Mack, I think that it depends upon the type of roster situation you're inheriting. And for Nick Sariani, think about it like this. You've got almost two worlds that you're having to put together. And I'm going to just compare this briefly to what's going on in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. Not a lot of veteran players there, right? I mean, and it's partially because they've been such a bad team. But you think about it, you got Miles Jack, you got a few offensive linemen and, you know, guys like this. But it's not like you have a whole bunch of veteran players with the Eagles. You have players like Fletcher Cox, Jason Kelsey, as we all know, guys who have been very good players but are sort of nearing the end and may not be part of the Eagles by the time the team gets good. On the flip side, you have a youth infusion through this draft, and you're going to have one again in 2022. So how does Nick Sirianni continue to engage with older players who know that they may not be here in a year from now as this team continues to try to find its way through the salary cap? while also you know, keeping them on board while developing younger players. It's a challenge for Sirianni. So are the, some of the restrictions that are going on this offseason. Players deciding we don't want to necessarily participate 
in off-season workouts and, and finding compromise with veterans. And I believe the Eagles, in fact, have done that. They're not going to hold, yeah. from what I understand, a regular mandatory minicamp. Teams like this need to hold minicamps. They need to be together as much as possible. So, again, just another obstacle for Nick Sirianni. We'll see if he's up for the challenge as far as this goes. But I, I think the, the good part, and it's a sad, sobering statement, I think, for Eagles fans, the bar is set really low. For your nationally, team. Yeah. That, yes, nationally, that's how we perceive you guys. The sad part is this team with the 32nd best schedule on paper, it is mm. the easiest schedule on paper in the NFL, could really make some hay if they can get their act together. But I just look at this talent, I look at this depth, and I just say, ah, good luck, Nick. Now, you mentioned those restrictions, Alex. That That's interesting because it's such a fluid situation. It seems like, you know, the league and the union – uh, obviously veteran players, they don't want off-season work. They want to show up for training camp, essentially, and, and you have this wrangling coaching staffs. So let's be honest, they try to take advantage of it and do as much as possible when they have the players in the facility. You mentioned the Eagles. A number of teams have canceled mandatory minicamp. League doesn't seem to want to put a period on that and saying, okay, this is no more. But do you see it heading down that road? Have we seen the last of the mandatory minicamp? This is a great question because I don't want to say that NFL teams have gone rogue, but I, I just want to say globally, let's not forget what the NFL is. It's a trade association, okay? Yeah. Roger Goodell has to try to herd 32 different cats, okay? Each cat has a different flavor to it, right? So when you see teams, and starting with the Indianapolis Colts, and they were really the first one that I knew of, where their players went to Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, you know, union leadership, their center Ryan Kelly saying, hey, we don't want to do this. Well, they ended up bending and saying, okay, we're going to just have two weeks of OTAs, and then that's it, and we're good, and, and we're going to cancel the mandatory minicamp. Other teams are doing the same thing. So we have half the league doing one thing and half the league doing another. Look, and, and listen, John, you've been doing this for a long time. You too, Jody Mack. You remember what the offseason was like for players, yeah. maybe before the, the before the 2011 CBA. Coaches would grind these guys into the ground. It wasn't just the physical work. But you, would just, it would, you were so tired of hearing your assistant coach try to work with you every single second that you were inside team headquarters that you had a, a major case of burnout. Everyone was burnt out. And it also, you know, you were frowned upon if you tried to pursue a college degree or tried to pursue a business venture and prepare for life after football, you know, and this, these were some of the safeguards that were put in by the Players Association restricting offseason workouts so the players could have a life. Now you've added a 17th game. So is there is should there be a look at offseason programs? Absolutely. But here's part of the problem. The veteran players, this is fine for them. They already know what's going on in the league. They don't need all that learning. What about the young players? What about them? It, for example, if you cut your off-season program short in Green Bay, how are you benefiting Jordan Love? How mm. are you benefiting some of the young players who actually need time to work with coaches? And let's not forget, too, the coaches need time to work with these younger players because if they're consumed with the veterans, how do you develop younger players? I think it's a conversation that the NFL and NFLPA need to continue to have this dialogue this summer and then after the 2021 season to see if there can be a tweak to the collective bargaining agreement. But the one thing is, and guys, you know this too, the NFL isn't going to give anything to the union unless the union gives a concession to the NFL. So what's going to be this give and take? Because that's how this relationship is. Looked like they could all get along during the pandemic. And now you start to see that begin to crack again with this offseason situation. Give and take aside, even though you are exactly right. Everything is give, give and take these days in the NFL between the teams <clears throat> and the union. Um, 
just personal perspective, and if I'm wrong, please tell me so. I truly enjoyed covering teams that went away for preseason. The Eagles were a Lehigh team. They go up at the Lehigh University. The Cowboys pick it up and go halfway across the country. And I always bought into, because I talked to so many players and coaches doing shows from there and interviews, the camaraderie of being together, that they were living in dorms or whatever else. They didn't want to do it for too long, but it actually brought something to the table that they came together as a unit when they did it. Most players would say that. I don't know if they were telling the truth or not, or they were just giving a company line, but they did say that to me. That has now gone by the board. So few teams get away. Everybody does their own work from their own facilities in the preseason. Is that something the NFL is missing out in, in your opinion? I, I think so, but I think, you know, there's a couple of things in consideration here why it's happened. And roughly two-thirds of the NFL stay at home now. We have between a 10 and 12 teams that continue to go on the road. And like you talk about, one of the benefits, Jody Mack, is, for example, I talked with Alex Smith about this in Kansas City in the year before he was traded to Washington. This is how he got to know Patrick Mahomes. They spent time together away. Alex has a family at home. Patrick was young. He wasn't married yet. But Alex wasn't going to hang out at team headquarters. He wasn't going to do things socially with the players because of his family situation. Well, if you're away from home and you don't have to worry about your family, you're going to have time to spend with your teammates and do those sorts of things. And I think it does promote camaraderie. On the flip side, from a team standpoint, there's a couple things that I can see. Number one, there's no place like home when it comes to classrooms, when it comes to medical, when it comes to fields, all these things. A lot of places you want to go someplace, but if you have subpar things, or subpar living accommodations. If you're in a college dorm, you know, I mean, for this generation of people, it's not cool, if you know what I mean. I mean, I cover the Cincinnati Bengals when you had to rent an air conditioner. Literally, <laughs> at Wilmington College, in Wilmington, you had to pay to rent an air conditioner if yeah. you wanted AC in the middle of summer in Wilmington, Ohio. So I think there's something to be said for that and, and having that normalcy. But I also think, too, that you balance that with the ability to create those team bonds. I mean, talk to some of the 49ers players. How did they come together, uh, you know, under, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh? And I think, you know, John, you were covering the Eagles. then. if you if you remember, I believe the 49ers stayed in Youngstown before a game back in, I think it was 2011, if, if I'm not mistaken, the year that the 49ers made it to the NFC title game. And all of a sudden, this was a different team that, yeah. that came out of the gates, you know, after they spent that time in, in Youngstown together. So, Again, I think there's that bonding and bringing people together from all different walks of life. But maybe now we'll just have, at some point, guys, maybe it'll just all be Zoom training camps. And you can just go do everything on your yeah. own. We'll just meet virtually. Have, you know, what's interesting, Alex, J.C. Treader, as you know, has made the argument, used the pandemic and said, you know what? Everything was fine. And, and the quality of play, uh, if anything, improved from his perspective. I wanted to get your thought on that. Do you think the quality of play improved? To me, it's common sense. Look, you kind of laid out the whole uh, process and the problems on both sides. There's good and there's bad. But to me, the common sense is the more reps, the more preparation, the better the product is. I, I don't think the product, the aesthetics of the product are as good as they once were. If you go back to a previous generation, am I just an old school guy? Am I off base? Is the product better today? The athletes are better. It's a different product. I mean, when you're when you have the ability to keep your roster together year after year, then it's a lot different, right? Yeah. I, I mean, you're able to have that continuity. And I think too, as a fan, you know the players are year after year. And but of course, the players were, were locked into one team and, and no yeah. free agency. And and that 
was a difficult thing. I mean, I think, too, when you look back at last season, I thought the football was a lot of fun. I thought the games were competitive. But let's not forget, too, when you have officials who aren't going to throw flags and you're allowed to, you know, hold as much as you want, it seemed, during games, you're going to put up a lot of points, it was going to be extremely exciting. So I think that, that while it was a fun season and scoring was up, I think as much of that has to do with the officiating and the way that games were called and letting players, quote, unquote, play, even though it went against, you know, the, the rules. And even the NFL knows it has a holding problem right now because you don't want a game that's littered with flags. Stop and start football to me is the most boring type of football that there is. That's why I worry about this new replay system that, is put, that has been put in that allows the replay assistant to buzz down. If they see something that needs to be reviewed, are we going to get into that? That's why, honestly, I watch games on DVR. I'm about mm. two, three minutes behind because I don't have the patience for start <laughs> and stop Football. I don't. I've been brainwashed. Yeah. I get it. This is the type of society that we live in today. So it's just different. It's like, look, I work in the pro wrestling industry, right? Yeah. And I can compare pro wrestling of 2021 to 2011 to 2001 to 1991 to Bruno San Martino. I mean, I can't go back that far because it's an evolving thing. And I think that's what we see in football as well. It's a constantly evolving sport. But I thought last season, honestly, was a lot of fun, unless you're an Eagles fan, of course. Yeah. Uh, okay, you took me right where I wanted to go. And we'll get to the wrestling because we do want to talk AEW with you. Um, last year, I referred to the division that the Eagles are in as the NFC least a lot for a very simple reason. So all you had to do was check the standings. Okay, so forward to 2021. Washington won the division last year and upgraded a quarterback with Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe short term, but upgraded just the same. Dallas gets Dak back. Big deal. Uh, arguably the best quarterback in the division. Add him. There's got to be improvement. The Giants have put weapons around Daniel Jones. It's kind of a sink or swim year for Daniel Jones because if he can't win with the guys that they've given him as far as weapons go, shame on him. And the Eagles basically are going through a transition period. New coach, new quarterback, whole new staff. Uh, optimism with something you don't know is there. I tried to make the argument for all of them to be better. Is that going to be the case? How would you rank the NFC East? We won't call them least until they get out there on the field, but how would you rank the NFC East as we sit here in the offseason? You know, I think when you compare them to the other divisions, right, I, it's the most competitive division because I, I think, and I'm just saying it though, and when I say competitive, without a, without a front-running marquee team, like we figure Seattle's a double-digit win team. The Rams could be. San Francisco could be. Arizona could be. I can't make that same projection necessarily about Dallas, the Giants, Washington. You know, I, and in a way, they may cannibalize themselves, and we may see a lot of one-and-one -one type splits and things like this. I, I do think the level of play across the division should be better, or else there's a major problem. If the Dallas Cowboys didn't upgrade this defense, if they can't play better under Dan Quinn, Mike McCarthy enters year three under the hot seat. And we know how much Jerry Jones hates changing coaches, but – you know, this defense needs to get fixed. Have they done enough to get that going? Or is this going to be a team that has to win its games via shootouts? The Washington football team, they sort of kind of upgraded with Ryan Fitzpatrick. But let's not forget, too, it's not, you know, Tom may be beating time right now in terms of Tom Brady. I don't know about Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't know. Or can you put up with a couple turnovers every game? The defense should be really good. But are they doing enough in the running game? Are they ready to take that step as a team? I think that they, as of right now, right up near the top, and the Giants are a team that we're expecting to take this next step, but so much depends on Daniel Jones. What is We're going to find out this year. The Giants will know by the end of 2021 whether they yeah. truly have a franchise quarterback 
or not, there's no excuse now. I think the offensive line is good enough. Is it great? No, but it's good enough. And I think it has room for improvement because there are some young players on that team that are going to get better. The return of Saquon Barkley, to me, I'm fascinated by this. Does he become Zeke Elliott? And when I say that, Jason Garrett used Zeke Elliott like a workhorse running back. Mike McCarthy comes in. You're paying Zeke Elliott all this money. He's no longer a workhorse running back. It's a pass-first type of offense that Kellen Moore is running. Is Saquon going to become that guy that helps the Giants break through? I think he's the most intriguing player, if not in this division, if not in this conference, maybe even in the NFL, quite honestly, because he could have a boom year, knowing what Jason Garrett likes to do running the football with him and funneling everything through Saquon. I think some people might be sleeping on just how important a player he is, but I think their defense is solid. They obviously made some big additions in the secondary. Leonard Williams is re-signed. I mean, so I think it's really a, a toss-up between the Giants and Washington. I'm not going to get fooled again by the Cowboys, and I think Philadelphia <laughs> can sneak up and beat a couple people. But again, I, I think they're probably bringing up the rear of this division. Yeah, and Alex, I think people kind of forget how dominant Barkley could be catching the ball as well. So you have that yeah. aspect of it. Uh, in the equation as well. I do want to get the national perspective on Jalen Hurts because, you know, you, you, the Deshaun Watson stuff in Philadelphia doesn't stop, whether it's Peter King, <laughs> it's Jason Locke and Bora, Diana Rossini was the latest. There's just constant whisper about Deshaun, and not only Deshaun Watson, it might be Russell Wilson, and, you know, who's been the white whale of this organization since Andy Reid wanted to draft him here. Um, or, you know, they have all the draft picks possible in 2022 to go up and get, whether it's who's ever going to be at the top of the draft, Spencer Hat, Rattler, Sam Howell, et cetera. Can Jalen Hurts seize this mantle, uh, or, or is this just a stasis? We'll, we'll go one year and then we'll go get our quarterback for the photo. Yeah, is he, Gar is he Gardner Minshew? It yeah. is what you're asking. Because yeah. when you think about the, the situation, it's so similar. I mean, although, you know, Philadelphia has some more established talent than Jacksonville did, but basically Gardner Minshew was like, okay, it's a one-year sink or swim for you, Gardner, but you're going to have to elevate the team. And I feel that's sort of how it is with Jalen Hurts, right? He's going to have to elevate this team. You have quarterbacks who elevate. Everyone talks about, oh, you know, Aaron Rodgers. They never draft first-round wide receivers. Charlie Weiss shared something with me that I thought was a really great piece of advice. Aaron, the reason we pay you so much money is to elevate the people around yeah. you. And, and, and by the way, he has. He right. has over the years. Yeah. yeah, and he's made good receivers look great. Can Jalen Hurts do this? Because as much as we talk about the, quote, upgraded Eagles wide receivers, there's still, this is all projection stuff. No one's really done anything there, right? I mean, we're hoping that Devontae Smith helps. We're hoping that Jalen Rieger contributes. I mean, we're hoping Travis Fulgham, you know, can build on some good things he did last year. But who are we really looking at here that's an established guy? Greg Ward? I, I mean, you know, it's where's Zach Ertz? Is he going to be on this team when the season begins? I don't know. I mean, so it's it's a tough spot for Jalen Hurts. So it's really a, it remains to be seen. But, John, and, and you can speak to this too. I know teams can do funny things on the salary cap, but because of what you did with Carson Wentz and all this dead money, are you even in position to be able to get a veteran quarterback moving ahead? Because you've already, you have so many other financial issues that have gone on because you thought Carson Wentz was the answer. Does it put you in a position where you have to take a rookie quarterback, build around this quarterback, hope that you win in time by the time their rookie contract is up, go down that road again. Is that going to be the best thing for this team? Because their best players are getting older. Their drafts have been poor the past couple of years, and they're going to have to dip into free agency to really address that. 
or hope that young players develop quickly. So, I mean, we could talk about getting one of those players, but I just, I just think it's a little tough on, on the veteran route. Unless, you know, Houston really wants to get rid of Deshaun Watson. And then you have a bunch of questions about Deshaun Watson as well. Is he going to be looking for a new contract? You know, does he have issues off the field that are going to continue to resurface if indeed they do exist? You know, how's your fan base going to respond to this? How's he going to respond coming back? I mean, it's it's not – there's no easy answer. I think the safest thing for the Eagles, as goofy as it is, may be drafting a quarterback, even though I would normally tell you go with a finished product rather than a rookie. As far as uh, salary cap purposes, this year, very difficult. Next year, not a problem at all because Carson Wentz's dead cap hit will be off the boards by then. They could fit in anybody they want. Aaron Rodgers, Wilson, Watson, doesn't matter what their contract status is. They could handle that. In season, you make a very good point, Alex. Not going to be easy. All right. Want to jump over to AEW. Don't know. It'll it'll go up to two or three million as well. Eagles will get some relief. But again, you know, the rest of the roster here is sort of getting old and there's uh, so many other things to address. It's great to have the quarterback. To me, the big question is, what are you going to have surrounding that quarterback if you are indeed spending $40 million a year on that player? But please continue. Um, We wanted to get over AEW. Just before you hopped on, John said, Alex Marvez has my dream job. Let me (laughs) echo those sentiments as well. Do what you do every day with what you like. Oh, by the the way, on the side, you get to be involved with professional wrestling. Uh, Both John and I are pretty jealous. Give us the broad brush stroke. How did you get this gig? Well, in 1989, I started writing a pro wrestling column at the Miami Herald coming out of college. Wrote that column up through 2012. And along the way, there was a young man named Tony Khan who would read my column growing up. Little did I come to know that his family would buy the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tony Khan and I would become very good friends about eight years ago. He knew about my background in wrestling. I'm not a WWE person. I don't like the McMahon family for a lot of different reasons. I don't like those products. So I I lost, you know, I was one of those lapsed fans and there's a lot of us out there. I stopped writing the column because I just didn't, my heart wasn't in it. Tony dragged me back in when we were on the road covering NFL events, be up in our hotel rooms, watching wrestling and doing things like that told me, hey, I'm going to start a wrestling company. I'd like for you to be involved. I'm like, okay, sure. No problem. And that's what, you know, AEW started. And I've been so honored to just be a part of it and help whatever way I can. I do backstage interviews. I help the announcers prep for the shows. If they, whatever they need for me, I am more than happy to provide it. And it's just what it, what's been amazing for me. And I'm 50 years old. And, you know, after a while professionally, there isn't a lot of growth, if you know what I mean. You sort of do yeah. the same thing over and over again. This is taking me out of my comfort zone. I'm right. dealing with young young people, different technologies, different jobs, different challenges. And that's been so amazing as well. Plus, for the first time in my professional life, I truly see what goes on behind the scenes. It's like as an NFL reporter, you know stuff, but you don't know stuff. You know what I mean? You're not in the meetings. You don't know what some of the thinking is. It's a tough job to try to be accurate and convey what's actually happening. It's not easy. Well, now I see oh, this is how the sausage is made. Okay, here's how we make the hot dogs. Okay, all right. And it's a little bit different. And, you know, especially when I read stuff that's out in the media sometimes that I just say, no, this isn't actually how it happened, but this is the story that's out there. So it's just been incredible for me on a personal level, professional level. I've enjoyed it. And I think the product itself, I mean, we put on great wrestling. And I'm so excited we're back on tour, a big pay-per-view coming up May 30th, double or nothing. Hope people uh, buy that and give us a chance. Watch us on TNT 8 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday nights. And I have a book with Chris Jericho coming out as well. The complete list of Jericho. 
uh, I basically wrote down 2,722 career matches of yeah. Chris Jericho Damn. that he participated yeah. in. Put them all in the database. Yeah. We got a book, a 400-page book coming out June 23rd, Jericho30.com for more details. Brother, it's a, you'll never see pro wrestling or Chris Jericho the save after you read this book. Yeah, you know, Chris has been doing that for years, Alex. He's been keeping his matches. I know he's been keeping sort of that rolling. Uh, and, and I don't know if anybody's done this before, but, you know, people talk about, obviously, Stone Cold Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. You mentioned Bruno San Martino going way back, the legends of this industry. I think the most underrated guy in the history of this industry is Chris Jericho for this reason. He changed his character so many times and just kept reinventing himself time after time after time, whether it was before WWE, everything in that company, and now AEW. It's amazing. Just It's a different guy so many times, whereas The Rock's The Rock. Right. But Jericho's this different uh, – it, it, it is – one of the most underrated things in the history of pro wrestling, I think he belongs in the conversation of greatest of all time for that reason. I think that's such a compliment, and I think it's accurate as well, because, you know, we're not going to have another Chris Jericho. I don't think, and maybe modern wrestling will change, and you'll get working relationships again, but you think about it. Began wrestling in, in Canada, wrestled in Mexico, wrestled in Japan, wrestled in Europe. Then he began wrestling in the U.S. I mean, so he comes from all different ways. And, you know, he also knows I've got to stay fresh. I can't just be a certain Chris Jericho. You know, he wants to, he, and he likes new challenges. He likes taking on new things. So I think the fact that he's continued to become someone different and continues to evolve. Look, there's some of the same tricks that, quote unquote, that he uses, same mechanisms. He just, you know, repackages them in a different way. And I saw that through different patterns of writing this book. When you look at a list of 2,722 matches and you see, the culmination of feuds, different types of matches, different things like that. But he's brilliant. I mean, he is he is just one of the most driven people as well. I mean, in terms of success, the guy fronts a rock band, you know, Fozzie. He does a weekly podcast. He's an actor. He does commercials. He's everywhere. Plus, he has a family and he's got four kids, I believe. So it's like how he keeps all this going. It's just it's 24 hour. He's Chris Jericho 24 seven. Yes, he's Chris Irvin sometimes, you know, the, the son of a famous yeah. hockey player and, and a human being. But let's not forget, too, I mean, he is in the Chris Jericho business, and I don't think there's anyone better. Specific Jericho AEW. I, I don't know if there's any, and I'm both uh, like you guys. I go back to Bruno San Martino, too, as a little kid. So uh, I've been a fan for a long period of time. Never before has a wrestler been as identified for just this period of time with his intro song. Judas fits him so well, and that was even before uh, they got into the current beef that they're in now and the fact that his buddy Max turned on him. Just the fact that the fans bought into this song and that you can turn down the music and they'll sing it for like six or eight verses. Usually you can go a line or two. They go six or eight verses. It has been such a perfect fit, and he plays it off so well in the ring. How did that all come together? I know you got to pull back the curtain a little bit. Tell us yeah. what you can. How did that come together? Well, I mean, Chris got into the music business. You know, he, look, he was in a band called Scimitar back in high school, okay? He's long been a heavy metal guy. If you know, we have a wrestler called Luther. He's part of the Chaos Project. These guys have been friends since their 20s. They used to be in Canadian metal bands and things like this. This was Chris's other dream. 
And in fact, I actually, I didn't chronicle this, but I also have his notes from when he began Fozzie, his, his rock group. And if you notice, Fozzie rhymes with Ozzy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how, you know, the tours that they would play and different members of the band. And it took him a long time to find his sound. Well, he found it in Judas. I mean, it's got more than 40 million page views on YouTube. I think the, fir the first thing about it is it's a great song. I think that's the first thing. It, the lyrics are great. I think the music is great. And it's, it's a sing-alongable song. But, you know, he decided to use it as his entrance music. I don't know, though, if he thought that it would become sing-along uh, with Chris Jericho. It got elevated to another level back in February of, of 2020, before the pandemic, when he had a choir that ended up singing it during his entrance at Revolution. And you've just had it's, – it's something that he's become identifiable with. But you think about some of his entrances, Break the Walls Down, the Y2J yeah. countdown, different things that he's provided through the years as far as that. It's all part of the showmanship, the extravaganza of professional wrestling. And that's what you watch pro wrestling for. It's entertainment. Thankfully, we're out of the debate about whether it is a real legitimate sport that you and I, you and I grew up with. I was told I wasn't going to make it as a sports journalist if I kept writing the wrestling column. Legitimately told that because they thought it would affect my credibility. Times have changed. People see wrestling for what it is. And Chris Jericho, yeah. more than a wrestler, really an entertainer. Yeah. Alex, thrilled to have you. But last one from me because I want to marry pro wrestling and football. The way to do that is Tony Khan. Everybody talks about the work ethic of Vince McMahon, even as critics, you're a critic. I'm a critic guy works like you would not believe. Yeah. I look at Tony Khan. I mean, it's not just AEW. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars director of strategy, English premier league. How does this guy, he's got his own analytics company. How does it? How is there enough time in the day to handle a wrestling company and do all this other stuff? The amazing part about Tony, and and this used to be Vince McMahon, and I'm going to be curious, and I admit this, and I consider Tony, I I don't know how he considers me. I consider him like a younger brother, to be honest. I am so proud of his success. You know, we have spent a lot of time together, and I just really appreciate him as a human being. He is very accessible. Anyone that wants to talk to him in the company, in the wrestling company, can come up and have a conversation with him. I mean, and, and share their thoughts about things. You know, uh, I mean, you don't want to abuse that, but he still has open ears. And this used to be Vince McMahon, but then as Vince got older and got a family and the company got super big, it became different for him. But I think the thing about Tony in this is that he's passionate about all of it. I think that's the key to life. If you're passionate about something, it chews up your spare time. It chews up your hobby time. And he's chasing greatness. I think that Tony Khan was put on this earth, quite honestly, to, to be someone in charge of a professional wrestling company. He used to write his own scripts when he was a kid. He was part of AOL chat rooms, you know, when he was younger. When he was 13 years old, Tony, you know, his, his father dangled a carrot. His mom and dad said, you can do whatever you want if provided you get good grades. He hit the grades and his dad took him to ECW Arena in Philadelphia to see a show when he was 13 years old. I mean, and of course, Chris Jericho was wrestling that night and it all comes full circle. I just think that he's just such a driven individual to be great. And he tries to hire the right people, too. He knows how to delegate. I mean, and he's kept his humanity through it all. That's the neat thing about it. And that's why I'm so happy to see the wrestling success. Hopefully for him now, the Jaguars have some success. Fulham has some success. And he's able to, to become a guy who's running three successful franchises in the win-loss column, so to speak. AEW is already there. Real, real quick, Alex, as one follow-up is – does he get criticism, though? You know how difficult NFL fans are. EPL fans might be worse. Yeah, does he, he get does. criticism and saying, you need to be involved with this and forget about the other stuff? 
You know, it's weird. I found out that there's criticism on social media. I, I, <laughs> I wasn't really familiar, but lately I, I've sort of been alerted to this, and it's been a very interesting yeah. thing. Look, he's aware of it. He's aware. Look, the, the, how, he deals with it in Jacksonville all the time. Yeah. You're moving the team to London. You're moving the team. You know, I mean, all this stuff that they deal with. The same time this morning, his family donated a million dollars to help renovate a neighborhood in Jacksonville. And you can say, oh, well, they're rich. They don't. They can do that. You know what? Some team owners, they don't do that. Right. They don't care about that yeah. sort of thing. He is really trying to transform the city of Jacksonville with his family and leave a legacy there in that regard as well. He, he doesn't look. The most successful people, you can hand criticism a bunch of ways. You could ignore it or you could use it to fuel you. And he probably does a little bit of both with that, to be quite honest with you. You just can't let it consume you. You can't let someone's anonymous opinion or a media critic's opinion shape how you feel about yourself, the job that you're doing. If you do that, you're not putting yourself in the best position to succeed. And I think he's aware of it. And the other thing is, remember, too, coming from the family that he did, they're used to being in the spotlight. They're used to being, you know, his dad employs thousands of people. Think about the pressure of that. Your decisions affect thousands of people's livelihoods. Every day, Tony has seen how his dad shot operates and I think has really tried to use the best lessons from that, you know, toward, you know, advancing himself in his own career and modeling himself after a big guy like that. Again, Alex, we can't uh, say thank you enough. Both John and I, uh, when I was able to reach out and get you to OK coming on the show, we were both got uh, excited because we're football fans and wrestling fans and you have the best gig on the planet. Uh, when Give us one more time when the details are on the uh, Jericho book. How uh, best to get it if you are a wrestling fan, AEW fan? Jericho30.com. It is that simple. It is going to be officially released on June 23rd, 400 pages chronicling 2,722 of Chris Jericho's matches. There's a comprehensive list, but also things about Chris Jericho that you never knew before. We cover everything comprehensively. We have guest editorials uh, from some of the people he has dealt with along the way. We rank his best matches. We rank his worst matches. We rank his best gimmicks. We rank his worst gimmicks. We rank his best memorabilia. We have everything involved. Anything Chris Jericho related is in this, but you could even be a peripheral Chris Jericho fan. And I still think really enjoy the book because you're going to learn, you're going to get inside the mind of someone who made themselves into one of wrestling's top stars. And John, like you say, really one of the greatest of all time. So Jericho30.com. And don't forget AEW Dynamite every Wednesday night, eight o'clock. Going to TBS too. Yeah, Uh, we're moving to TBS in in January of next year. We're going to be adding a show starting August 13th on TNT called Rampage. So it'll be at 10 o'clock Eastern time. We have our YouTube properties and our pay-per-view double or nothing coming up May 30th. Uh, That's going to be awesome. And live touring resumes July 7th. So we'll be live and hopefully coming to Philadelphia sooner rather than later. I think it's October. You know, you've got a good wrestling. You know, you got a good wrestling town here in Philadelphia. So we'll be waiting for you guys to to show up here. Do me a favor. Tell my guy Taz, I send my regards. Uh, I'm wearing, I'm wearing, by the way, right now, just so you know, I've got my Taz shorts and I, I don't know if I can get this on here, but I do have them on here. from him, my FTW shorts. So I've got that. I will tell him, I will tell him just that. I'm actually in the announcing room with him uh, for quite a few hours every time we have a show. And don't worry, he is as salty as ever. That's not surprising. Please tell Taz Jody Max sends his regards. We send our regards. Thank you for coming on with us, Alex. We'll certainly do this again down the road. Thanks, Alex. Thank you so Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Alex Marvez, uh, former, uh, forever a uh, columnist for uh, several different news- newspapers, now hosting on Sirius XM's NFL uh, channel. But 
AEW announced team contributor week in and week out. And yes, John and I are jealous because we're big wrestling fans and appreciate the job that he does and the gig that he's got. All right, we're doing the best with our gig and we're going to come back and put a bow on the show. Last couple of minutes to this edition of Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation your way. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. In the Wildwoods, our free beaches are spacious and welcoming with plenty of room to spread out. Your seat will be waiting for you when you're ready to visit the Wildwoods, creating cherished family memories for generations. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Come down the home stretch here on a Friday edition, episode 35 of Mac and Mac. And there will be a 36th come Monday. Uh, looking forward to that. Hope you enjoyed the show today. Um, again, for you non-wrestling fans out there, you Birds fans who are dialed in to talk Eagles football on a day-in, day-out basis, I-, I think we got a good portion of that out, out of Alex Marbez when he hopped on board with us. Yeah. But sorry, John and I are wrestling fans, and we wanted to get some wrestling in with Marvez when we had him, and he was great talking about uh, Jericho, and he's right. And it's not just because he's got an upcoming book. Uh, John and I are both Jericho fans. He has reinvented himself as many times over his career as he has. And uh, again, every single time, I'm just telling you, as from a wrestling fan perspective, 
I can never tune out when a Jericho song starts. As soon as it starts, I start humming along with it while I'm sitting on my couch watching the TV. That's how good Ed has played for those guys. And Marvez was great for us. So we want to thank him and Les Bowen, who was with us in our number one. Uh, John, we've got a weekend coming up. Are you actually going to get out and about, enjoy yourself? Or are you uh, going to be in front of your computer doing Eagle stuff all weekend? That's a good question, Jody. I haven't even thought about it. I'm trying to get through a show. Les did a, a phenomenal job. Alex Marvez was great. I think you, you and I both, you know, people have to accept it. Occasionally, yeah. we're going to go on that tangent, but we give you plenty of Eagles knowledge. I got a lot of work to do, Jody. So I, I imagine I'm going to be out there grilling. That's that's okay. about little, all. Little grilling? And the pooch, the pooch will be uh, barking at whoever comes by? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's She's going to protect me. Don't, don't let her that. kill anybody, though. We've got we got to worry about Les Bowen's dog. I don't want to worry about your dog killing anybody while they're at it. Uh, partner, good week. I thought uh, we did a bunch of really good shows because we had really good guests on. You asked really good questions. And except for today, when I had technical difficulties, I didn't screw anything up. Uh, so <laughs> I think we got another good week under our belt. We'll come back and do it again next week. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, have fun grilling, my friend. You, uh, Jody, what are you doing this weekend? Give me that. Uh, of course, I'm working. I work weekends. Uh, I'll be on CBS Sports Radio. You can find me yes. there both Saturday. You're probably going to have Marvez on after that. You're probably uh, going to continue. Oh, I'll get Marvez on at some point. Won't be this yeah. weekend. But uh, you know what I'm going to try and get on this weekend? And again, haven't locked them in yet, uh, but maybe something that I bring back as uh, far as knowledge goes. I will try and get an uh, NFL guy on. I've got a guy from the Pac-12 network that I use. Yogi Roth, former, Yogi. you don't know Yogi? Don't he know. coached under Pete uh, Carroll in uh, uh, USC. USC. He was a Pittsburgh quarterback, assistant coach on USC staff, has become an announcer, but has been tied to the hip with uh, Trent Dilfer in the top flight quarterback prep Oh, camp. wow. Yeah, that's good. Uh, maybe maybe, maybe get him for Birds 365 as well down the he road. Is, he is a bit of a quarterback whisperer. He was the guy who told me two years ago, three years ago now, that, uh, well, everyone was pointing over Trevor Lawrence. He said, Justin Fields is just as good. Wow. That, hey, Lawrence is great. And don't kid me. He's going to be phenomenal. So is Justin Fields. You know, so he, I, we didn't even get in the Trevor Lawrence and Tim Tebow with Marvez. I'm kicking myself. Oh, yeah, we didn't do Tebow because uh, yeah, yeah. we had to do as much wrestling as we well, Time is uh, time. But Yogi is my quarterback whisperer. And now, because I remember when I had him on before the draft, uh, I try and get as much information and prediction and projection out of him. He goes, Jody, we don't know what team they're on yet. Tell me what system they have. Tell me who's yeah, coaching them. All the time. Tell me who their wide receivers are before you hold my feet to the fire and say, how great is this yeah. guy going to be? Well, now we know where all the quarterbacks landed. So I'm going to try. Yeah, and now run. Ken, are you Greg, with Andy Reid or are you with Adam Gase? And I could tell you who's going to be successful. Yeah, that, that kind of makes a big difference for them. So I'm going to get uh, Yogi on and maybe I'll bring some info back to the table on Monday. You know, John McMullen will bring his information on Monday. We hope you're right back here with us on Birds 365 on Monday. Have a great weekend, Eagle fans. If you missed any of today's show on the Jake Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.